0: Welcome to the 361 Degrees Podcast, Season 7, Episode 4. My
1: name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review.
2: I'm Ralph Blanford from the All About Sites.
0: Hello, gents. Good to have you back again this week. You're very excited this week,
1: Mr. Yeah, Yeah, bring it on. on. I've been having lots of iron brew. Iron brew. So, uh, any news with you? Uh, No, still looking around to supplement my avocado habit.
0: There we go. Yeah. Uh, so again if you uh, if you could send a pound for you and McLeod, that would
1: be uh, that would be lovely. Thank you very That's much. much. Got to keep my wife in the curtains. Mr. Blanford uh, Any news
2: for me? I've been playing around with a Lumia 630, new low-end Windows phone device, kind of the equivalent to the Motorola E device on Android, and I always think those devices are the most interesting because they're the ones that more people use than all the high-end stuff.
1: How much is it? It's
2: 100 pounds.
1: Okay. All right. But the the e is cheaper, right? Uh
2: it, it's about the same price. Mm. It depends, depends how you look at it. What's interesting to me about it is it's actually got a motion chip in it for using it as an accelerometer all the time, so you can do that kind of fitness tracking mm. thing. And it's also got mirroring built in, so if you've got the right TV, you can duplicate it the, the screen of your smartphone on your TV. And nice. Typically, that's stuff you've been used to having in 500-pound handsets, and now, as always is the case with smartphones, you kind of get it in the cheap budget handsets.
1: Mm. What color is it? Uh, it's green. Okay and, and and are you liking it?
2: Uh yeah, I'm enjoying enjoying using it. It's uh, an interesting
1: device. Oh, and just by the way, what's your primary handset at the moment? Uh I actually have three devices that I'm uh, using. But what's your primary handset? Uh, it's uh
2: Lumia Icon. All oh,
1: right. The American one.
2: Yeah. And
0: uh actually I I have been looking at um using motion tracking for a different purpose. So Ooh. there's a there's a there's a vehicle insurance company in the UK called Admiral. They're part of a, a big brand. They have lots mm. of names but They've released an app called Appy Driver, which I don't approve of, but that's just a, a gag. And you, 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 you sort of hit you hit start when you start to drive, yeah. and it tracks the way you drive, and um, it will then generate you a discount code. So if you're a safe driver over, I think 250 miles, you have to do. Right. it'll generate
1: you a discount code so to give you cheaper car insurance. Uh, so I can just give it to my grandmother and say drive around this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the the cynic in me says that that that, that if I'm a, a careless driver, uh, which I'm not, if anyone's listening, uh, <laughs> that that my insurance might go up. But I think it, it's fascinating. I think there's there's some investigation to, to see be that. done. I, yeah, yeah. I like before, the idea of it. Yeah. But it it's yeah. interesting to see it being uh, motion tracking being used for something more more exciting than mm. um, than uh, fitness apps, which I think I'm a bit bored of now. Yes. So, gentlemen. Anyway, enough chat. This week, what are we going to talk about, Mr. Blanford?
2: We're going to talk about security for real people. Yes. You know, it's a big topic, security and privacy in general. But I think a lot of the time there's some you know, kind of rational common sense steps that you can take. And we're going to talk through some of the kind of background to that as well as provide some sort of best practice guidance, I think is the way to phrase it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So um, I, feel like a, I feel like a proper radio presenter live. Last, last week, I met up with security expert Terence Eden, who is friend of the, friend of the show, but also incredibly knowledgeable about all things security, and asked him to talk me through his top tips for uh, securing your mobile phone. And this is things that you can practically do, which is, I think, great advice to have any time. So, uh,
3: so I'm a, a mobile consultant. I I talk to businesses big and small uh, about uh, what they're doing on mobile. Uh, Most recently, though, I've been uh, involved in hacking the government in in quite a positive way. So I've been pointing out uh, a number of security flaws across .gov.uk and .nhs.uk. And I'm very pleased to say that the government has responded superbly and is actually fixing some of these flaws in our nation's infrastructure. So I've got a sort of top five tips that I like to share. Um, In at number five is just stay sceptical. I mean, quite often, lots of mobile viruses and mobile scams spread by text message, by email, by Twitter. And these are all things that we get on our phone. But for some reason, because they seem to come from people we trust, all of our uh, savvy just goes out the window. Uh, You you may very well have received a, a Twitter message from someone which says, oh my God, people are saying mean things about you on the internet. Click here to find out. Or you receive a text or an email which says, help, my credit card's been lost. Please, can you send me some money somehow? And I think people quite often just let common sense go out the window. Um, you know, when you see a message from someone which purports to be your friend, just think, does, does this sound like them? Is what they're asking me to do a, a rational thing to do? Um, and when you go and click on a link that someone has sent you, check to see if it's actually taking you to where you expect to go. Um, the, the big thing we see at the moment, especially on sites like Twitter and Facebook, which are, are, are mobile uh, first destinations, is someone sends you a link saying, you've got to check this out on Facebook. You click on it. It looks like Facebook. You type in your username and password. And just as you hit enter, you realize, actually, you've gone to facebook.dodgysite.com rather than uh, the actual Facebook you're ex- so just just take a look. Take a second before you actually click on something and, and submit passwords, and just stay a little um, just stay a little sceptical of uh, of what you see in here. So what can I do if
0: I have ended up putting my password into a fake site?
3: The the most important thing you have to do is if it's something like Twitter, go to settings, and you will see all the applications which have uh, authenticated against that. So you'll see that your your tweet bots, the um, whatever Twitter apps that you use. You just need to go and delete all of those and then change your password. And it's a bit of a pain because, you know, you'll need to, let's say you set your your smart TV to tweet what you're watching or get your tweets while you're watching EastEnders. You'll need to reauthenticate that again. And The same goes for Facebook. You just need to go in, change your password and look through the list of everything that's connected to your account. And if you don't recognize anything, delete it. To be on the safe side, delete all those connections to your account because you don't know which ones have been compromised. If you want to be really uh, security conscious, you can turn on something called two-factor authentication. This means you give your mobile number to uh, the social network. When you try to log in, what will happen is you type in your username and your password and then Twitter will send you a text message and it says your your one-time password is 12345. You type that code in and you're you're logged in that way if someone does manage to get your username and password it doesn't matter because they don't have your phone as well If they do have your phone as well then you're uh, a bit out of luck there tip number four is don't download apps outside of the official app store um now the the app stores aren't perfect you can get dodgy apps in there but there there is some safety in numbers. If you see an app that has been downloaded a hundred thousand times and Google or um Apple haven't deleted it, there's a good chance that it's it's probably safe. Uh you will find as you as you browse around the web, websites will try to push their apps onto you and automatically download it onto your phone, especially if you're on Android. Never ever click on those links because yeah, never ever click on those apps because you don't know. They've gone through no quality control whatsoever, um, which kind of leads on to tip number three, which is when you install an app, look at the permissions. So let's say you you've got uh, you want an app which will add great filters to the photos that you're taking, and when you install it, the pop-up comes along and says, "This app wants permission to send text messages and dial phone numbers and read your contacts," and you think, "Well, is that right? You know, do, does an app which..." Sh- all it should be doing is looking at my photos, maybe sending them to the internet. Why does it need to to place phone calls or send text messages? And if you're if you're not sure that an app genuinely needs those permissions, just don't install it. I mean, you know, I know that you know when all your friends say, Oh, you've got to download this app, it's the best. Well, just just because an app says, I really want access to your phone book, but I promise I won't do anything bad with it, doesn't, doesn't mean you can trust it. So again. That don't download apps outside of official channels, and even if you do, take a look at the permissions that they're asking for, because uh, chances are that's a brilliant way to catch stuff which wants to uh, wants to scam you.
0: Why would I be worried about an app that wants to send text messages or
3: or make calls? If you have an app which can make phone calls by itself, there's nothing to stop it ringing premium rate numbers um, or sending text messages to those uh, premium rate scams that you know uh, basically every time you send a text it charges your phone bill two pound fifty and of course you don't know about it until your monthly bill arrives and all of a sudden you see that you've spent five hundred pounds calling the Cayman Isles and uh, sending texts to uh, to dodgy services. I know you're an Android user but objectively iOS is a better platform because of
0: the checks Apple do on apps isn't it?
3: yeah there, there are more rigorous checks on the on the iPhones or on the, on the iTunes store, but that doesn't stop dodgy apps from coming through and of course, because iOS is so popular, it becomes a very popular target for scammers as well. so um, it, it slightly swings and roundabouts there you're You're unlikely to get a completely virus ridden app. But at the same time, you are definitely a higher profile target because so many people have iPhones and
0: iPads. So what should I do if I live in a country where Apple or Google's app stores aren't available or perhaps I don't want to use them for some reason?
3: If you can't get onto a secure app store like uh, the Amazon app store or the Google Play, you can download uh, apps which are virus checkers of a sort. So I'm quite keen on Lookout. uh, which is a great Android app. Whenever you install something, it will check it and it will look through the list of permissions, alert you. But it will also look at the app and see whether it's been reported that it's uh, a scam or, or a virus. So I have installed an app before from from some dodgy website and Lookout has popped up and says, you know what? We've seen that this app will send lots and lots of text messages to premium rate numbers do not install it. If you're absolutely sure you want to install it, click here. Um, but it at least gives you that option. Tip number two. Um, ben, what's your, the uh, password for your Twitter account? Well, actually, Terence, it's... A... That's the kind of uh, password an idiot would have on his luggage. That's a terrible joke. You can cut that out. Um, so lots of people use really short passwords. Why? Because they're easy to remember and they want to be able to type them into their their mobile phone. And this means that people quite often have the same password for Twitter as they've got for Facebook, as they've got for email, as they've got for everything else. This is a real security disaster because it means that if your Twitter password gets hacked, those hackers have access to everything, all your accounts. So my top tip is use a password manager. Uh, I'm very fond of LastPass, but there's all so one password as well. You'll find a whole bunch of them on your app store. What that allows you to do is generate really long random passwords of uppercase, lowercase numbers, special characters, and then really easy copy and paste them into the apps and into the websites you use. So rather than just remembering that your password is password123, you can have a nice long, unintelligent Eligible password. You don't have to remember it. You don't have to write it on a bit of paper and then tap it into your phone with your thumbs. You can just copy and paste it in. Um, I, I, I find tools like LastPass and 1Password absolutely invaluable. They will keep you safe uh, far more than than anything else uh, available, I think.
0: Aren't I putting all my eggs in one basket by using one app
3: and one password to secure it? That, that is definitely a risk and you you want to choose that one master password to be something strong, something long, some, something only you know, um, but it's a trade-off. I would much rather have one strong password protecting all of my other strong passwords than use the same password over and over again or use lots of uh, very easy-to-crack passwords. It, it's a security trade-off, and, and that's what we have to do when, when we're looking at security To say, well, this isn't perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than just using a password one as my password everywhere. Tip number one. So I'm, I'm hoping that in post-production you'll edit in a great big fanfare here. Um, this, this is my number one tip for mobile security. Buy a wrist strap. A wrist strap? <laughs> a wrist strap. So on your phone, you probably have a case. It's got a, a little hole and you can buy a, a lanyard, a, you know, a bit of string or a bit of leather that you clip onto your phone and you wrap around your wrist while you're using it. So a recent report said 10,000 phones Are stolen in London every month, 120,000 a year. That's just in London. Across the UK, it's hundreds of thousands. I mean, it's a staggering amount. I've seen videos of people, you know, their phone is out. They're looking at Google Maps, and some little tyke cycles past them, nabs the phone out of their hand, and just carries on up the high street. You've got no chance of catching them. If you're wearing a wrist strap, it is much more unlikely that someone will be able to yank the phone away from you. because if they do yank the phone away from you, chances are it's unlocked because you're making a call, you're looking at Google Maps, and hey presto, they've got access to all of your email, all of your documents, they can start making premium rate phone calls straight away. Um, so yeah, in all seriousness, all my phones have a fairly sturdy wrist strap when I'm out and about on the uh, in the mean streets of Oxford, I you know have that wrapped tightly around my hand um, so that people can't steal it from me. Now, there are things you can do to, that will make life easier for you if your phone does get stolen. The first is to make sure you've got a copy of your IMEI. That's your phone's serial number. You'll, you'll find that on your, your phone's box, or you can dial star hash zero six hash on on your phone dialer. It will give you the uh, the IMEI. If your phone does get stolen, you can give that IMEI to the police or to your mobile network provider and they will block the phone from being able to be used. That is, they'll stop it from being able to, being able to make phone calls. The other thing that you need to do is set a PIN or a password on your phone. You you can use facial recognition or uh, the iPhone's thumbprint scanner. I think the Galaxy S5 has a thumbprint scanner as well. Anything to stop a casual thief being able to get into your phone is, is of paramount importance. And then... If you're on Apple, set up Find My Phone. If you're on Android, Android Device Manager. This means that if your phone is stolen, you can find out where it is. But much more importantly, you can click a button and have your phone be completely wiped, which means that anyone who has it doesn't have access to all of your sensitive information. So that's it. That, that's my top tip. Try not to get your phone stolen, which is, I mean, when, when we look at the the number of viruses and dodgy sites and things is, is a real problem but of a far greater and more likely uh, threat is your phone being nicked when you take it out in the pub when you're wandering down the street looking at directions.
0: Right gents so what do we think I mean first of all big thanks to Terence for his yes, expertise okay. because he properly knows his stuff but let me kick it off one of the things I was surprised about um, and actually felt stupid I was reflecting afterwards was that I thought he was going to say, "Secure this, use that setting, blah blah blah, and he, mm-hmm. and, did, and there's some there's some techniques and things, but actually tip number one: don't get your phone stolen i mean it seems yeah. it seems really simple, but actually, if the bad guys don't have your phone, then it's going to make them a great deal make, make it a great deal more difficult to get data from you. And obviously, phones
1: cost money as yes, well. The practical reality is just don't lose your phone.
2: Yeah. And the point he made about it being more common uh, is a good one. I don't think I've ever had a dodgy app or followed a dodgy link on my my phone, but I have had a phone stolen from me. And I'm wondering, you and have you had a phone? I phone, was phone stolen? jacked.
1: You can you, Google that phone jacked in London town. You'll see and a horrifying experience. So what happened? Uh, well, like I just I was talking on my phone. It was a Nokia N ninety five eight gig, I think it was. That's a little while ago. I was walking along the street, and um, I just had it—I had it loosely in my hand uh, to my ear, and a guy just from behind me just ripped, out, ripped. Out. I was so surprised. He just took the phone from me, and ran away.
2: And how uh, about how about you, Ben? Have you had any bad experiences? I was just trying to think. So I
0: don't—I don't think I've ever had um, dodgy apps. But I, having said that, now thinking back to early Android days, and even back to the days when I used to have Symbian phones. I'm not sure that I can say that hand on heart because I wasn't very discriminating in terms of where I got apps from. Back in the days when you used to install them direct from websites, I'm thinking, well, actually, I didn't know. And and if someone steals your your username or password or details, and you know, would, do you necessarily know? You know, so um, I'm not sure. But actually, what I have done also is I've I've lost and had pickpocketed more than my fair share of iPhones and and things as well and actually actually recently um, I was posting some devices around fortunately I'd had the foresight to wipe them but I was sending some devices to someone and um, they went missing in the post oh dear. well and again it's it's not it may not have been a crime you know it may have just been that the package got broken or it went missing but mm. they, you know those devices um, in that case uh, belonged. you know c- could have had company data yeah Uh, on you know sending them from one employee to another
2: it it makes the point quite nicely that we've got a hundred percent hit rate in our experience of having actually had a phone stolen from us Mm. and in terms of serious annoyance i can't think of any sort of malware or bad stuff that's happened on the phone Uh, like you with the early days of android there's some apps that probably drained the battery or did something they weren't quite supposed to um but in terms of you know, password. And you know I've been fortunate in that I've never fallen for one of the phishing schemes or some of the social engineering things, which you can quite easily understand how it happens. I don't know whether we're typical of the population or our well, listenership, but I think that's why Terence had that as number one.
0: Well, and this isn't mobile specific, is it, Rafe? But I mean, lots of retailers have had details stolen. So some of those measures around being cautious about being addressed by name or, or kind of appearing to have some information about you you know, it, it could it could actually be that, that this is a follow-up attack, that they've got some information from another source.
2: Uh, absolutely, and that kind of thing. I think on mobile is perhaps you, you feel more comfortable because it's your, your personal device. And also, often when you're in the browser on a mobile device, we're starting to see the pattern now where the URL is becoming less important or, or indeed it's hidden. We're seeing updates to iOS where you're just seeing the domain, not necessarily the full URL. And I, I fully expect in the future that kind of the idea of displaying the full URL may well go away altogether. And so there is this need to have a bit of awareness around that and to think about it. And I don't think anyone should ever be ashamed if they fall for something like that because the whole point is they can be very convincing and there is a whole aspect of social engineering to them. It's,
0: I have to say, and I'm not trying to make a a kind of a a technology or a a, a point here, but it worries me about Android particularly because I'm aware that... um, you know the Android apps aren't checked at all, really. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in any meaningful way before they go in the store. And I've I've received a, an app recommendation and searched for apps and seen multiple apps with the same name, or you know, with and it could just be people ripping them off in an attempt to, to profit by selling their app over the popular one. But actually, these these could just as likely be um, the malicious apps. And I have to say, I now I have now stopped recommending. Um, going back to our episode a long time ago, Ewan, about um, tablets yes. and things like that, I, yes. I was saying, oh, go and buy a cheap Android tablet. Yep. And actually now uh, it, it's putting me off recommending that cheap Android tablet because typically I was recommending those to people who were not wanting to make a big investment because yep. they didn't want to spend a lot of money, but it also means that they're not particularly mobile savvy. They maybe don't have lots of devices. Mm. And, and it just the risk is beginning to, to worry me because... You know, it's a it's a relatively insecure app store. Yep. It's a relatively open ecosystem where you can do a great deal more. And it's a it's it's a, a platform where when you get asked a security question, you know, do you, about permissions, as Terence was saying, you know, sometimes those questions are are impenetrably. You know, if you're not a techie, even I don't understand what half of the mean. Yep. And I work in the blinking industry.
1: And you're the one that's going to get the phone call from relative going, uh, we we I think we just lost fifty thousand pounds. I, I, th- I think from the, the the tablet that you recommended. I'm not sure any of my relatives. And by the way, that, that that guy much, but... Ewan. On that podcast, he was right. Yeah. Probably. Is that what you're saying? Is that what, just to be clear? No, yeah. I'm... Awesome. Every, Every, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take if, everyone should have yeah. the right to change no, their mind. So what,
0: what things are we personally doing to secure our mobile usage and, and why? Go on, Ewan.
1: Okay, I'll, there's two things I'm doing. One, um, I use a thing called Cloak. Yes, you come across I this? love, I've got it on my, it's running on my iPhone right now. Right, likewise. Now, uh, well, why don't you explain that then? Well, so Cloak is
0: a VPN and for, if you're not familiar, a VPN, WTF. A, a VPN is when you make a secured connection back to a server, and all the data through that pipe is encrypted. And normally you use it because you've got a company laptop or something like that, and you connect back to the company network. You need to create that secure channel. Now, thing is, my phone, I don't my I've company network, but. It's my personal phone. So in this case, what you do is it creates that secured network back to cloaks servers. And the reason for doing that is that when I'm in a coffee shop or I'm on a public Wi-Fi network or something like that, it keeps my data secure because it doesn't matter whether the app does a good job of securing it or not. It it um, it gets it all encrypted as it goes over the network.
2: I looked at a couple of the different password managers and I have used them in the past And actually, in the end, and I probably shouldn't be admitting to this on a public podcast, I decided to have a couple of throwaway passwords that I use for regular stuff. And it was things I really didn't care about in terms of uh, the security, because it was just a a sign up for a newsletter or or something like that. And then I have about 10 passwords, which is about what I can remember for different services. And it's Amazon and the social one. So I'm not using a full password manager at the moment. But there's been uh, so much in the news recently that has made me think twice about it. But what I have done is on all the really critical ones where it's available, I am using two-factor authentication. And the rise of OAuth has also helped a lot with that kind of thing where you can use some kind of token for doing this password logging thing. And I actively look for services that do that kind of thing because they give you more control and part of the reason for me for this is I'm using so many different devices and do switch on a fairly frequent basis, it's become a bit of a pain to have to worry about the password manager and doing all the installation of that. Um, but I'm quite conscious I've made a decision to sort of perhaps not be as secure if I had long passwords everywhere. But um, on, on the really critical ones, which are kind of your, your own email, um, I am using a unique password one that is um, quite complex
0: there's a really good point in there that um, security people often pick up on it's about convenience versus security which is if you put in place uh, a process that is such a pain in the backside to use that you then don't bother using it or work around it you've made things worse so you have to make a judgment about the, the mix of convenience versus security and that's also why Uh, It's a really good idea to have lots of layers of security, so that um, if one of those is compromised or is broken, then
1: you've got some fallback. Well, let me let me ask you then uh, this one. I've now got it that if you give me a new Android phone um, and just uh, I echo, I know just what you mean when someone gives you. I've been testing these devices all the time. Um, I now need to sit down and type in a twenty odd digit password. It's a laborious arse, right? Um, Previously, it wasn't it was my standard password with a different a capital letter right because i was i was that silly um, and to my knowledge it's been perfectly fine but yeah i thought it's time to not do that the the ebay thing got me really concerned yeah. i think what was really interesting was uh,
0: last, i think it was 2013 sometime there was a guy from there was a guy from wired who he wrote a post uh, an article about it but he he challenged some hackers to target him specifically and and they did and basically they 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 you know they they compromised security both on his mobile devices and and on the internet and on web services generally but when they had into his email when so when they when they got into his email that was it, that right. was the core because everything else kind of sent the password resets yeah, and yeah, the reminders yeah. and, and that was the and that was the key and i think well actually that's that's the first thing i put on any device you know the the, yeah, the set up always your, set yeah. up your email it, it's absolutely essential and it and it made me think about uh understanding risk because people are notoriously bad at understanding risk
2: yeah point this does also make is that a lot of these elements are interconnected and that actually uh, adds an element of fragility and so by having everything passed through your email and it, it could also be your your phone number and actually your device is kind of an example of that it's the nexus of where everything comes into and i haven't done anything particularly to tie my phone to me Um, Again, carrying multiple devices just wouldn't really be convenient. But what I have done is made sure that all of those devices I can remote lock and then track if I want to. Now, I have had uh, a phone that I dropped and it wasn't stolen. That actually happened at at Mobile World Congress, which is kind of a bit notorious for having phones stolen, but actually this was entirely my own fault. Uh, I went looking for the phone, but at the same time, I'd actually logged onto the website and had locked the phone straight away. And then I actually used the find my phone feature on windowsphone.com and was able to track down the phone pretty much instantly. Uh, So I think that's the kind of security measure that might be a bit more practical for some people. And there are plenty of stories of people getting their phones back because losing them by misplacing them is something that's quite common. But there is a bit of technology that I'm quite looking forward to coming in. And it's uh, based on Bluetooth LE and proximity and the idea that you can put um, like something on your key ring or even around your wrist potentially that when you're separated from your phone you'll be alerted to it and that's obviously if it's being stolen you're being phone jacked that's probably not going to help i mean you kind of hopefully you're aware that's happening but it does help that i've left my phone on the desk and walk away or you're in a cafe and you kind of walk away so that it feels like there's plenty of room still for both hardware and software innovation to make this stuff easier and um you know, I, I don't want to get too much into the future stuff, but some kind of Dan Lane-style embedded chip within you is going to be a lot more difficult to break as a bit of security or authentication unless they start cutting off your arm or something. Uh,
1: but the, the or feels, Just a little thumb thing on uh, iPhone.
2: You know, uh, uh, yeah, and there, there are issues around biometrics, but that kind of touch ID on, on iPhone has become incredibly popular because it is simpler than entering a PIN number. Less to remember, obviously. Uh, and, and so I think... There's still a lot of potential that hasn't, you know, it's an area that's ripe for disruption.
0: And, uh well, certainly I'm, when I started to think about this episode, I went and turned, find my phone on, on all my devices. And can you know, can you I believe, can't
1: believe you didn't have it
0: on? I just hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Like it, it sheep, it, it sheeps, it ships off. And you just, you know, unless you go and turn it on, it, it doesn't it's the first work. thing I do with everything.
2: And, uh, but what frightens me about this is, you know, this is a, a group of people who are really savvy about this kind of thing who think about it the vast majority of people don't and it's an education issue more than anything else Uh, and I've done the same thing for my family turning it all on um, but I'm sure that they still get back into bad habits and because I myself do it and Uh, and Ben's doing the same thing I I want more attention to be paid for this by the the operators of the handset manufacturers and Default settings have this stuff on. It's not kind of rocket science.
0: So if you're you're listening to this and you haven't got it turned on, Android, iPhone, BlackBerry, Windows Phone all have find my phone type features. Go and stick it on and turn it on because actually the the, the ludicrous thing is not only had I not turned it on uh, on my current set of iOS devices, I had used it to find uh, an Android device a few years previously when I lost it. So I've even realized the benefit so we should wrap this up, mm. but um, resolutions, actions as a result of today, or actually a bit
1: of advice. When oh, well, I'm sorry talking. to say I've actually been sitting there right, making notes of all the stuff I'm going to have to go and do because this you know, is concerning and this, this stuff is actually rather important. So I, 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 after
0: the Heartbleed bug, yes. I went and got um, the pass, a password manager and and sorted my password. You, so you
1: went for one password,
0: and I used one password. But right. then I thought, well, actually, now I'm going to have to put my one password file somewhere, and that made me think, where am I going to store it yep. to keep it secure? And then I thought, oh, I'll best encrypt my computer because I carry my laptop around, and if I lose it, all that data was available there to be to be stolen. And then you know, so it's a it, so it took a bit of an investment of time. But the nice thing I think about having thought it through is is now. I'm not sure that I'm 100% safe, but actually I know I, I know what I've done. i have taken I've, some so, steps. I've right? taken some steps. I know what I've done, and I've thought it through like why. I haven't just picked some backup product and said, stick my data there. I thought, well, actually, I'm going to pick that one because those that's the firm that explains to me how they do their encryption, they do their security, and I, I trust them because I've done some some reading up on them. But also, crucially, I need one in the cloud because all my other data's at home. And if my house burns down, I'll lose those valuable pictures or something like that. And it's, you know, it's not nice to think about, but I'd like to be able to walk out the door and it doesn't matter.
2: I, I think my resolution will be to look at a password manager again, because you know I made that sort of last set of decisions I made a while back. And there has since been some, you know, really high profile thing, the heartbleed and eBay spring to mind immediately. I, I wonder if I will ultimately decide that the trade-off isn't worth it. Um, but I think probably the resolution will be to sit down and have a, have a chat with family and say, you know, you need to need to think about this as well. Um, I suspect that will result in Brave getting to do some more family IT support and set a few things up and explain how it all works, maybe a backup procedure. Because there's so much data now that is considered valuable and actually photos more than anything else. Um, it's the things that you don't want to lose there's a lot of data I wouldn't I wouldn't like to lose but actually I wouldn't lose that much sleep over
0: an addendum to that for me if you decide you want to use a security product like cloak or like a, an encryption product or a backup product or a find my phone or a remote wipe service or or even you know physical security by locking the device down or something like that, do some homework and don't just be, a, be as uh, as Terence said, be sceptical. Do some homework on how that device, how that product works and has it been uh, independently scrutinised because there's a fantastic market in secu- security products for snake oil and fakery and that kind of stuff and just because it says it backs up securely or just because it says it does X, Y or Z doesn't necessarily mean it does it well or in a reliable way.
2: We've learned anything from the kind of the recent... Uh, Edward Snowden and NSA stuff is that there's an awful lot going on and actually they can be quite intelligent about where they break into the supposedly secure element and it's a, it's a tapping of phone wires and data lines and things like that, whereas, which is why cloaks such a, a popular idea. But even that, don't, don't assume because you've implemented these security measures you're absolutely secure. There is no such thing as absolute security and that should factor into your, your thinking as well. Um, equally well, don't be paranoid that everyone is interested in your uh, pictures that are stored on Dropbox. You're far more likely to lose something or lose a bit of data through your own mistake or through your own oversight. And, um, as with social engineering for passwords and things like that, actually just human behavior is almost certainly going to be the weakest link in the chain.
0: Right, guys, we have to wrap it up there. End of another episode. Thank you very much for that. As ever, um, we'd be interested to hear your thoughts and experiences uh, through the survey in this week's post, or alternatively, just you could give us any big, broad feedback uh, in the the comments. Uh, You can tweet us at 361podcast, or as some people occasionally do, you're also welcome to email us Mm -hmm. as well. And there's an email contact form on the website that you can use as well. So get over to 361podcast.com and let us know. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, We will see you again. Again next week. That's Bye-bye.